Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Into the Burrow podcast here on the Burrow Reviews Network. My name is Scary Jared, and joining me as always is Spooky Linda. Hey, guys. It makes me so proud every week when he actually gets it right. Yes, I get it right this time. Uh, I had a I had a full night's sleep. Oh, very that's good. That's, that's the secret to, to life is just <laughs> sleeping. It is. It keeps my light speech impediment at bay if I get a full night's sleep. Sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't matter. I don't care. Um we are finally back. We haven't been we haven't been doing this for a couple of weeks, so it's nice to get, you know, back into the swing of things. Um got a pretty decent show for you today. News heavy. We're trying out um a new section of the podcast where we discuss uh box office projections, what we think a quiet place two will do this weekend, so stay tuned later in the episode for that. Um, and as far as the news, there is a lot of merger news that's happening. You know, so many big companies are trying to buy out all of the smaller companies and combine them together and make a lot of money. And so that's going to be the central point of the show today. But I, I kind of wanted to start off this little intro talking about something that's really important. Um, you know, I don't often dip into politics you know, straight off the bat. Sometimes I do. But we're really going to talk something very political here that I think needs to be addressed. Now, don't get me wrong. Did I vote for Joe Biden? Yes, I did. However, what's the real crime of this administration is this Chick-fil-A shortage of Chick-fil-A sauce. I don't know if you like Chick-fil-A sauce, Linda. I don't know that anyone that I know likes Chick-fil-A sauce. I like Chick-fil-A sauce, but I make it at home because I don't support Chick-fil-A. But I thought we would lead off with that story because I wanted to know your thoughts on whether that was newsworthy or not because it's been plastered all over the news this week. I couldn't escape it. It was everywhere on Twitter. I was like, fine, we'll talk, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about some shortage in Chick-fil-A sauce. What's your opinion on that? And you're lucky that I included this in the show notes because beforehand, it was just because I didn't want to lose the article. But beforehand, I was just going to blindside you with the Chick-fil-A sauce conversation. <laughs> but okay. isn't that the true crime of the Biden administration? Not demanding the Israel-Palestinian like ceasefire sooner, but the Chick-fil-A sauce. That's... That's the scandal of this administration. God, you're so freaking spicy right now. <laughs> um, I think you said it yourself. You can make it at home. You can. You can make it at home. It's like, actually really of easy. Supporting a garbage place and then being upset when they don't have your little dippy dippies. Just make it at home and not support a garbage place. Mm-hmm. I feel like if anything. Biden's doing y'all a favor. <laughs> hey, <laughs> That's I don't just even my opinion. I don't even know how they're looping it back into. It's so ridiculous. It, it goes back to the whole like trend of like thanks Obama. Whenever oh, every yeah. little one hundred percent. I mean, that's not to say we didn't all go thanks Trump when every little thing went wrong in our lives, but still. we did, we did. Okay, but but a lot of the negativity of the last five years was within that administration, like just like waking up every day and like rolling out of bed and knowing that you're in Trump's America. You just want to bash your head into the wall. Like anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really substantive about the Chick Fil A sauce shortage. Um, it's really easy though. Like, uh, Laurencia makes it, uh, every so often we have a little fry sauce bottle that we got from McDonald's. And after we got done with the fry sauce, we just started making homemade Chick-fil-A sauce and putting it in there. Cause I actually really like the, the sauce personally. I've had Chick-fil-A twice in my entire life. Both times it's been better than it should be. Um, I, I must say that as far as food quality goes, it it is kind of good, and I, and I'll admit it, but I'm not going there. So, it's it's more of like a morality thing. Like mm-hmm. you know, you can't all get conscience. Like let people think that they can just do what they want, and you can keep like hold on. backing them up. Hold on, we're gonna we're gonna have an interactive portion um, of the episode. 
because I want you to see this ad. Oh my god, okay. You did? Oh my god, send it to me. I will. Um, Zencaster, <laughs> chat, paste, there you go. Ah! Give it to me. <laughs> okay, and then we're going to play it at the same time, Linda, because we okay. have to sync this up with the audience so that they can also watch this and experience this as well. All right. Let me know when you got it up and ready. I got oh, it. you got it? I got it. Okay. Okay. All right, ready? Three, yep. two, one, go. Hey there, I'm Jake, and a little thing I love about Chick-fil-A's new Grilled Spicy Deluxe is that grilled chicken that we all know and love with the grilled marks and yeah. super juicy. The heat, the cheese, the multi-grain brioche bun, the flavor is just out of this world. Hey, I'm Amber, and a little thing I love about the Chick-fil-A Grilled Spicy Deluxe is the chicken. This is not your traditional spicy chicken sandwich. You get the grilled flavor, seasoning, spices, married all together to this perfect sandwich. It's literally like fireworks in your mouth. <laughs> okay, the guy, the guy sounded like um James Charles, that YouTuber. Yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, he does. Surprisingly. Um. Yeah. Just what the fuck? What the fuck? Chick Fil A. It's literally like fireworks in your mouth. <laughs> it's not your traditional spicy chicken sandwich. The little grill marks are so good. <laughs> Damn, they really did that, and I don't know how I should feel. That was so dumb. Uh, there you have it, everyone. You're welcome. We um we found that just for you out there so that you could experience that with us. Oh, um, my God. I feel like this Chick-fil-A bit went on way too long. Because <laughs> so, I'm trying to find a fucking app. Yeah, <laughs> I should have had it pulled up already. Oh That's God. my bad. But okay. So, we now are going to get into our little news bit, and then when we come back, we're going to discuss some of the news. There's really exciting news about a potential Attack the Block sequel, and I know that you're super stoked for it, so we're going to talk about it, and we're also going to talk about some of that merger um, that I, or rather, the uh, plethora of mergers that are occurring right now, both for Amazon and MGM and also uh, WarnerMedia, AT&T, and Discovery. So there's a bunch of them. We'll discuss it when we come back. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. And Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be listed in all the major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your first recording. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. We use Buzzsprout and can attest that it is a cakewalk compared to some of the other hosting platforms that we've used. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. So what are you waiting for? Grab your gear that you already have, and then find a quiet space to record and talk about all your favorite things. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support our show. We can't wait to hear your passion. And now for your last week's news update. Mike Fleming Jr., of Deadline writes, John Boyega set to reunite with Joe Cornish for Attack the Block 2. The aliens are back on the block. A decade after Attack the Block achieved sci-fi cult status and launched the career of its star John Boyega, Attack the Block 2, with Boyega locked, is set to return. In the original, Moses mobilizes his mates against a group of nasty extraterrestrials looking to take over their neighborhood. Joe Cornish is writing and directing the sequel, and he will produce alongside Boyega. Plot of the sequel remains under wraps. Todd Spangler, Joe Otteson, and Cynthia Littleton of Variety write, Amazon said to make $9 billion offer for MGM. Amazon is weeks into negotiations on a deal to acquire MGM for about $9 billion, industry sources tell Variety. 
Chatter that Amazon and other tech and media giants have been sniffing around MGM has circulated for quite some time, but sources indicated that Amazon's interest in acquiring the studio has taken on a new tenor behind the usual rumor mill. The deal is said to be orchestrated by Mike Hopkins, senior VP of Amazon Studios and Prime Video, directly with MGM board chairman Kevin Ulrich. Reps for Amazon and MGM declined to comment. Dade Hayes of Deadline writes, Hollywood Cheers AT&T Retreat, viewing Discovery as more talent-friendly Warner Stewart, HBO Max, day and date strategy for Dune gets a rewrite. As the news sank in about AT&T winding down its Hollywood foray via a $43 billion merger of Warner Media and Discovery, one word summed up the film industry's prevailing reaction. Relief. Not only does the deal end the three-year shadow cast by AT&T, numerous sources told Deadline, but it averts another scenario, a tie-up with NBC Universal with more dire implications. The climate at AT&T-run WarnerMedia is already showing signs of shifting even before the deal closed, which is expected in mid-2022. Deadline hears that Dune, the high-profile Denis Villeneuve sci-fi remake out this fall, will not adhere to the day-and-date release pattern established for the entire 2021 slate. Instead, it will premiere in Venice in September and then enter theaters for a time before finding its way onto the streaming service. And that concludes your last week's news update. If you would like to support the Borough Reviews or the Into the Borough podcast, please consider subscribing to our Patreon campaign. Our Patreon offers four distinct memberships. Candyman, a $1 a month tier to show your general support for what we do. It follows a $2 a month tier that will grant you early access to our videos before they release on YouTube. Hereditary, a $5 a month tier with exclusive podcast discussions and member-only polls so you control what content we focus on each month. And finally, Trick or Treat, a $10 a month tier where you'll get exclusive videos, behind-the-scene content, and all of the other tier perks combined. During these times, it is crucial for us to remain stable, and with your help, we can get there. Head over to patreon.com slash Reviews to sign up. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Alright, Linda, so first off... Why don't we talk about Attack the Block 2? Because it's going to reunite both John Boyega and Joe Cornish. And I wanted to get your initial thoughts as to where you think not only the story could go, but also if it's going to be as successful um, because of its cult following that it has gained throughout the years, or if you think it's going to kind of falter a little bit because there's been too much time in between. So what's your what's your thoughts on it? Okay. I'm a little late to the game with Attack the Block. Keep in mind, like, I saw the trailer for the Mm -hmm. movie back in 2011, and I had always wanted to watch it. I had always wanted to get the movie and watch it. I loved the trailer. Every, like, every, like, year or so, at least once a year, I had always, like, thought about this movie, and then I'd, like, watch the trailer, and then I'd think, oh, man, I really want to watch that movie. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, like, about, like, a year ago, a year or so ago, um, I finally did. And I was like, God, I shouldn't have waited so long to watch this movie. I love it so much. It's so good. It's so good. It's like the Lost Boys, but like modern and with aliens instead of vampires. Mm -hmm. And oh my God, John Boyega was in it. And he was so like fantastic. My favorite character in it was Pest. I loved him. He was hilarious and he was such a sweetheart. Loved him. Loved all of them, even though they kind of held a woman hostage it's fine i'll forgive them it was fine she forgave them so it's okay it's all okay um but <laughs> i loved it i loved it so much um if you haven't watched it you should probably watch it but the movie ended with pest and moses getting arrested for everything that happened so is this going to be like them like fresh out of jail and is Pest coming mm-hmm. back? So if Pest isn't coming back, I'm going to be real upset. Yeah, so the plot's under wraps right now, so no one is really attached except John Boyega at this point. Um, it's a good sign, though, that Joe Cornish is writing and directing again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
maybe there'll be some consistency as far as sequels go. Cause you know, you, you wait a decade to do a sequel, right. And you don't know if people are going to respond to it the same way that they responded to the original, but um, you have the same writer and the same director. So it's very possible that, um, you know, this is just as well received as it was back then and that it does even more at the box office, that it makes even more money than it did before. Um, just based on how people's like reactions have developed to it over the years. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's become one of the most beloved, like underrated films, you know, of the last, I would say of the 21st century, honestly. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's so good. The aliens in this movie, like they, they were creative with their choice of aliens and like with the design of it. And honestly, the whole, like the teeth. Mm Mm-hmm. How they were like glowing with like the black fur. I loved the contrast, and it was just a very cool, very unique design for an alien invasion movie. Like it wasn't a regular alien invasion movie, and it's just it was. I, uh, it was so good. It's hilarious, and I mean. It's these, like, group of kids from, like, you know, a rough part of London. And it's British. It's Very adorably British. British. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the amount of times they said bruv. I loved bruv. it. I loved it so much. Like, why is that so fucking charming? <laughs> yeah. And they're, like, trying to, like, become, like, the new kingpins for, you know, selling weed in the city, and then all of a sudden this, like, alien invasion happened as they were stealing a car from a woman. And then they were like, oh, shit, we should probably stop these aliens, and we need this lady's help whose car we just stole. And, you know, while all that's happening, a gang member, you know, is, like, after them, so they got, like, all this stuff going on. It's super action-packed and fun, and Mm, it's you gotta watch it you guys need to promise me that you'll watch it because you need to watch it it's like one of my favorite movies ever and i've only seen it like a year ago and yeah and yeah john boyega this was like his like film debut like this movie like started him and honestly after you know after seeing him in Star Wars, after, you know, everything he's been doing, I feel like it would be very respectful towards him to give this movie a try because it is very underrated, but it also started John Boyega. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm sure after all all the backlash and all the issues that occurred with the Star Wars films and his character in them, um, you know, and how upset he was at how underutilized that character actually was in the arc, you know, that kind of like fizzled out after The Last Jedi. You know, I feel like returning to his roots a little bit and where he came from and having the star power to actually influence the way the story and the direction in that film goes is going to be really refreshing from an actor's standpoint, um, which is which is a good thing because it brings energy to the film. If he's excited for it, you're going to be excited for it. And um, I think right. that that's the most important thing. And the diversity in this movie is amazing. And the characters are actually very well written. I mean, they're, they're kids with these like really tough personas. And then once, you know, shit started getting tough, you could definitely get like actual depth with these characters and realize, you know, they have that, you know, mask on to just, you know, get through like everything that they go through in their neighborhood, in their apartment complex. Like these kids all live within like these like neighborhoods of apartment complexes in London. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John Boyega's character, Moses was like one of my favorite written characters because he seemed like the biggest badass of them all. And he really did step up, but Despite being like this like absolute tough guy, he was also like super charming and you mm-hmm. could tell that he just cared about everyone, just wanted to save everyone. So he also had this like inner heroism within him too. And I really hope they keep that with him. It could definitely change since, you know, after everything he tried to do, the movie ends with him being arrested. But like everyone's cheering for him. So I'm just kind of wondering how much he's changed as a character once he's out because i'm i'm not really sure if this will be like right after he gets out of prison or like how long Mm -hmm. he'd actually been there so it really just kind of depends on where they start the movie off Mm -hmm. depends on how long his sentence was i don't know 
I think it would be interesting to actually start in prison and to see... Like how Moses and Pest are doing in there? Yeah, and to see like how it changes them as people. You know what I mean? Because it's going to change them. And that's probably for the better. Like if they get changed from the events of the first one, that kind of gets gives more weight to their character arcs, you know, going forward in the sequel. Um, and then we're actually able to see how they changed and why they changed rather than them just being changed immediately, you know? I swear to God, if they don't say bruv at least once in that <laughs> movie, say bruv. I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to send a John Boyega says bruv all the time. To John Boyega, like, what happened? What happened, bruv? <laughs> what happened, bruv? <laughs> Because honestly, them saying bruv so many times because they're in a little kid gang and it's adorable. Yeah. And like the amount of times they said bruv, like my heart. I know. I know. And oh my God, there's just the the accents just really got to me. They're honestly like one of my favorite parts. Like the way they talked, I loved it. Couple of mergers. We have Amazon and MGM. And then we have the AT&T deal um, with Discovery and like Warner, Warner Media, essentially. And that also plays into Dune. So we're going to talk about that because I am super excited for what's happening with Dune. Uh, we kind of expected it to happen, but now it's pretty much going to happen. That's fine. Amazon wants to buy it, whatever, I guess. It's not like one of the biggest mergers that we've seen. So it'd be a pretty, I mean, it's still a decent sized acquisition but it wouldn't be anything like uh when disney bought fox or anything like that however a very safe option for them especially just to have some type of streaming service to be able to just kind of fall back on yeah i agree um however while that one isn't as big we do have at&t which announced a 43 billion dollar deal to merge with warner media and discovery now, in my household, we have HBO Max, so we have Warner Media, mm-hmm. and we have Discovery Plus. Who knows uh, if this acquisition actually goes through what their apps are going to look like. I don't know if they're going to try and condense and combine things. I don't know if they are going to try and um, basically uh Basically, just keep everything separate and just make money off of it entirely. Um, what do you think about it? I'm so sorry. Uh, I just need to back up a. Te- what are you watching on Discovery? Uh, I, oh, I don't watch it. She watches stuff on Discovery. They have HGTV. Oh, yeah. So they have all the like House Hunters and all that, um, okay. which I'm sure she she probably partakes in. I was like, why? Why do you have Discovery? <laughs> i don't have is it for like the late night illuminati shit like what are you doing Um, it would make sense for you jared it's the alien channel i i love it is i I love me the alien channel uh no but a telecom giant at&t announced uh this past monday so last monday a deal to combine its content unit Warner Media with Discovery paving the way for one of Hollywood's biggest studios to compete with media giants Netflix and Disney. So yeah, this is the next best best thing compared to like Disney and Fox, for instance. Um, it would be valued uh, at it. W- okay, first of all, under the agreement, AT and T will unwind its eighty five billion dollar acquisition of Time Warner, which closed just under three years ago to form a new media company with Discovery. The deal would create a new business separate from AT and T. That could be valued as much as 150 billion, um, according to the Financial Times. So they would receive an aggregate amount of 43 billion in combination of cash, debt, and Warner Media's retention of certain debt. Um, AT&T shareholders would receive stock representing 71% of the new company, while Discovery shareholders would own 29%. It added so decent chunk for for stockholders. So in um, with that news, you know, obviously the stocks for both AT&T and Discovery all went up, um, as they always do, I think like about like 9% or so. Yeah. Shares of Discovery were up as much as 9% Monday morning before falling to 5% at the end of regular trading and AT&T stock price fell 2%. So good news for Discovery. With AT&T, uh, the main reason that I think investors were kind of a little bit weary of it you know with the stock dropping is just because like they're taking over more debt 
from the companies. So it makes sense. But Discovery being bought, you know, there's potential there for um, new leadership to come in and really make something special of Discovery Plus, which, as Linda just so graciously pointed out earlier, doesn't really have that much value to most. So um, hopefully maybe, you know, with this merger, they can really um, muster up, you know, some some competition for everyone else. I don't know. They won't be able to, but they can try. I mean, I guess I'll get Discovery Plus. I'll You'll partake? I'll partake. Yeah. Maybe there's something to discover on there. Yeah. Um, So Warner Media is already showing signs of shifting uh, even before the deal has officially closed, which is expected to happen uh, next year sometime around this time. So about a year from now, they're expecting to close that deal. Same with like Disney and Vox. If you remember, it basically has to go through, you know, judicial proceedings and make sure that everything's legal and everything. And then um, once they get done with those legal proceedings, then they can officially like merge. Um, So right now it's preemptive. Uh, If it fails, though. AT&T is going to be out of a lot of money. They're going to be out of a lot of money if they, if they don't get to close this deal Um, just because it did cost them a lot uh, (laughs) to, to try and acquire these things. So. I mean, um, I guess the real question is, 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 are you ever going to get your Dune movie? Yes. And I was just going to shift into that because Dune, what's going on with Dune? We know that HBO Max's new advertisements aren't really, showcasing that you know they're going to have stuff releasing simultaneously in theaters and on hbo max after in the heights and so the big question was you know no one on the dune set dave batista timothy chalamet uh denis villeneuve no one in that film i don't believe and no one that worked on that film wants to run a theatrical release alongside a streaming release no one And these are big players in the game right now, Denis Villeneuve, Timothy Chalamet, Dave Bautista. And so were they able to swing Warner Media's position in their favor with this merger? Well, it seems like it. So Dune now, um, the high-profile Denis Villeneuve sci-fi remake out this fall, will not adhere to the day-and-date release pattern established for the entire 21 slate. Instead, it will premiere in Venice in September and then enter theaters for a time before finding its way to the streaming service HBO Max. Hell yeah. Because here's the thing with Dune. Uh, I'm not saying that other films don't deserve a theatrical release. What I am saying, though, however, is Dune is a theatrical release in the sense that um, you have this grand, you know, epic sci-fi scale to it. And that's something that you can really only get the full impact of watching it in a big screen, you know? And uh, and I'm really happy for everyone on that film because they fought tooth and nail. If you remember, Denis Villeneuve had that article, that op-ed essentially against Warner Media that he put out in Variety when the announcement came that they were shifting to do, you know, theatrical and streaming coinciding with each other. And so I'm sure everyone's really happy and I'm really happy too because it gives the film a chance to actually turn into the franchise that they hope for it to be. Because, um, you know, if it was doing both, chances are, you know, you would split the base enough to where there might not be a huge box office impact. And then the studio is going to look at that and they're going to go, maybe we don't need a sequel. Maybe we don't need a franchise out of this. And so it gives the film a chance to actually live on past just the one film that they've already made. Right. Um, and hopefully they take that initiative and they apply it to a few of the other films that are supposedly supposed to be releasing um, on HBO Max as well. So uh, what do you think about Dune uh, getting new life at the theaters? Like you said, it is it is a theatrical release. Like There are just some movies that are made for the big screen. Mm-hmm. And... Dune has is definitely one of them. Like Mortal Kombat, like Godzilla versus Kong, like you know the the big ones, the big boys, like those ones. They do best in theaters. They do. So I understand the fear of like not you know getting the audience that you might want with streaming releases. So I I get the concern. I do. It's just. 
I know that it's not the case, but I really just can't help but feel like they just keep finding random reasons to delay Dune. Like they didn't I'll- delay it. It feels like it should have been out already. It like does. we've been hearing about it for like a while now and it's been saying that it's going to get released like super soon for a while now. Yeah. And it just drives me nuts how we still haven't gotten like a real release date. Um so right now they're shooting for October 1st. Um <clears throat> so October 1st is the day that they're preemptively planning to release Dune. Um, and Jeff we'll Goldstein, who was the, yeah, we'll see. You're right. You're right. Um, but with things opening back up, you know, there's a good chance that everything else doesn't get shifted around as much anymore. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll see after a quiet place too, how people feel. And we'll talk about that in box office projection. Um, but, uh, yeah, October 1st is the date that they're shooting for Jeff Goldstein. Full disclosure also said that there would be no change to any other of the films. So all the rest of the films, according to Jeff Goldstein, of uh, Warner Bros. distribution has said that there is no change. Every other film except for Dune will release on HBO Max and in theaters on the same day. Uh, We'll see about that too, because chances are if they're letting Dune go, the other filmmakers, you know, are going to be like, hey, what the fuck, dude? Like, you just let Dune go? You let Denis Villeneuve go? Why? Because Blade Runner 2049? Come on, man. Even though I think that's a totally justified reason. Um... (laughs) I also understand their point of like, why would you just let one release, you know, in theaters exclusively instead of like some of these other films as well. I mean, Um, realistically, at the end of the day, it's about the money. It is. It is about the money. That's a very simple and obvious answer. They shouldn't be surprised. They shouldn't be surprised. And honestly, all the filmmakers can make a really good argument as to why they should release in in theaters first rather than the streaming route. Yeah. so they should all, I would encourage every one of those filmmakers, cast and crew, to reach out to Warner Bros. and start maybe, you know, striking. Um, start maybe writing op-eds um, like Denis Villeneuve did in Variety. Very mm-hmm. clear hit piece on Warner Media. Uh, rightfully so, though. Um, and, you know, maybe maybe take the influence that you have and actually use it. Um and that's my advice to the rest of them if they want, you know, to have their movies released exclusively in the theaters. So that's the big news. It's, um, you know, Warner Media CEO Jason Keeler said that um, they had been handpicked uh, by AT&T CEO John Stanky. Um, I hate that name. Or Stanky. I said Stanky. Stanky. <laughs> it's Stanky. Uh, <laughs> um, John Stanky. Uh, I didn't let- want to like laugh and like be all immature, like T Stanky. Like I usually do. Stanky. I try to keep. <laughs> stanky. Sh- shut up. I'm trying to be an adult. <laughs> it kind of sounds like it's Stanky, Stanky, you know, stanky. whatever. Uh, <laughs> so John, John Stanky, who uh, basically led um, the initiative pop or it's called Project Popcorn, which was the initiative to put the entire 21 uh, Warner Bros. slate um, on HBO Max. Um, you know, basically went out and said that, yeah, we handpicked all these people for these things. And I mean, that's great. But Warner Media CEO Jason Keeler, who now is having to deal with a possible potential merger, is um, now reportedly exiting the company after the merger. So um, it's, it's, at, at this point right now, it's um, it's looking like he's going to exit. He hasn't exited yet. But uh, John Stankey, so the CEO of AT&T, is going to be taking over his role if it if that does come come down to, uh, you know, the merger actually um, right. getting approved. So we'll see how it goes. But all these mergers are shaking things up and uh, making a lot of people lose a lot of jobs. People are, like, just trying to form together. Yeah, it's like it's like kind of turning into a bit of a battle. Like, who's gonna like really stand out? It is, um, and it's kind of wild to see too. You know, you have all these streamers who you would think don't make as much money as you know some of the like dis- distributors, like you know Warner Bros. and like all these other different companies, Paramount. Um, and the you have in the detail. Yeah, yeah, right. And and you have like these streamers coming in and they're buying the film distribution studios and it's like what is going on like streaming is the way of the future but i just hope that we don't lose 
I hope we don't lose the community feelings that you get watching a movie in the theaters for the first time um, because it's special. It is. But I'm glad we're like actually getting that opportunity back now. Yeah, it's really exciting. I um I saw Spiral. I know you haven't seen Spiral yet. I'm not sure that you're gonna like it. If I'm, being I told my mom honest. to go watch it. Mm, did she? Um, let me double check. Sometimes I like open up a message and then I just kind of like forget. She said she really enjoyed it. Hmm. And I, I know you didn't it. feel the same. No. It, okay. Look. You enjoyed it, but did you? really enjoy it i don't think it's the worst saw film i don't however linda there's three traps so take that as you will there's three only three that's Um, not fun no uh maybe maybe four if you include something else but uh but not really uh but kind of so three or four okay and um it's way less brutal uh, it's more story driven and like character driven, which I like, but it's almost like there wasn't enough time to get to know the characters before the yeah. big reveal happens at the end. And then you're like, oh, well. I mean, and I saw that coming from years, light years away. Like I like I knew what was going on the moment that the film started. Um, and that kind of took out a lot of it for me, I think. Um, and it's so very clearly like edited and and shot um, in the way that gives that ending away if you pay really close attention. Not even if you pay really close attention. If you know how films are edited and how films work, this isn't going to be surprising to anyone. But uh, that's okay. I give it credit. The soundtrack was really good. It's only four songs, but I have all of them downloaded now because I really liked them. I love it when you can get attached to a soundtrack to a horror movie. Yeah, I keep I listening to uh, I keep listening to uh, Down Bad, Down Bad, w- Down Bad from from that uh, soundtrack. Which let me look up the artist because I'm not familiar with the artist at all. It's real, recognize Rio, and uh, Twenty One Little Harold, and uh, Millie Go Lightly. Yeah, Millie Go Lightly. I'm gonna have to listen to that once we're done. It's just catchy. I like it. But uh, that is your news discussion for the week. Um, Take the mergers with what you will. Uh, They're gonna happen regardless of if you want them to or not, as we saw with Fox and Disney. And then thousands of people lose their jobs. So we'll see if that's the same with AT and T and Discovery. Um, We'll keep you updated. Uh, probably, I imagine we'll probably get some more news at some point this year on it, maybe one or two more news pieces, and then we'll definitely get some more news discussions next year if the merger actually does, uh, complete. So we'll keep you updated on that. And also Amazon's, uh, reported, um, acquisition of MGM that's potentially happening as well. So with all that being said, we are going to move into, a new segment, everyone. This is a brand new segment, box office projections. And then we're also going to talk about the Fear Street trailer, as well as give you some insight into what you can stream uh, that's new this week. So stay tuned. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our website, theborrowreviews.com. If you like indie movies or blockbuster movies and anything in between, really, On our site, you'll find podcasts, movie reviews, opinion articles, and more content that covers all types of cinema. But we especially love a good horror movie here at The Burrow. If you're looking for a review of your latest project, we got you covered. Simply search theburrowreviews.com in your web browser and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know just how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we're here to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. And while not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, it is always worth a shot. So, what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. The Borough Reviews, your movie refuge. Alright, welcome back everyone. We are going to talk about the Fear Street teaser that we got um over the last week here 
uh, I mean, you were both super excited about it. And like you added it to the show notes so fast, <laughs> like you added it. And then I went to go add it and you had already added it um, because we have to talk yeah. about it. Uh, a, neither one of us knew that this was coming. Right. Um, no. And this was a closure. gem. Yeah, and full disclosure, like R.L. Stein, great. I haven't read nearly as many of these like as you probably have. Um, so that's just what it is. Although I did read, like growing up as a kid, like those were some of my favorite books because, like you know, like R.L. Stein. Come on. Hello. Hello. Being the nerd that you are uh, over these, um, did the teaser like did the teaser like get you excited for what was coming with this uh, three part trilogy? Okay, so I read the books. Keep in mind, when I was little, I wasn't big on horror movies, so I was really hooked on Goosebumps because Goosebumps I was like, it's horror movies time. for kids, and yeah. I was the kid, so it worked out. But, you know, like, actual horror movies scared the shit out of me. Didn't like being scared the shit out of. So I picked Goosebumps. My favorite one was Welcome to Dead House mm. and uh, Stay Out of the Basement. And um, honestly, I'm not even ashamed to admit this. I still watch R.L. Stein's The Haunting Hour. Like, yeah. some of the plots in that are, like, cheesy as hell. But honestly, it's so entertaining. And every time I catch it on, like, Netflix or on Hulu, it usually bounces back and forth between those two. I always just binge watch it because it's it's fun. R.L. Stein has been a part of my childhood, has been a part of my life the entire time I've been on this earth. Yeah. And so being a kid and enjoying Goosebumps and enjoying, you know, the books and the TV shows, the movies – being an adult now and getting that that slice of childhood that I absolutely love and have it being adjusted for an older audience. Because this is the first R.L. Stein project that's going to be rated R. That's going to be put into like a three-part segment of horror films and is going to be considered like an actual horror film. Like that's just... It's mind-blowing, and it just – it feels like someone is just, you know, sending me a love letter through R.L. Stein, and I, I am all for it. And it's just – I've never seen anything like this get done either, so it's even more special that it's happening with something that I care about and that's something that I have enjoyed my whole life. It mm -hmm. just makes me feel, like, really lucky that this is, like, going to actually apply for, you know, everything that I love. And so that just makes it even better. And I'm I'm super stoked. Yeah, I'm actually really excited about it too. So R.L. Stein, who wrote the book series that the films are based on, obviously, uh, had a quote in, um, I'm not sure if it was pop culture or somewhere else, uh, but R.L. Stein uh, said, quote, Fear Street fans are in for a treat and some major surprises. Readers know that the book series is rated PG, but the movies are rated R. That means a lot more thrills and a lot more terror. I have seen Leigh Janik's epic trilogy releasing on Netflix in July, and I can tell you that the scares and the screams are more than I ever expected. Um, so that's the direct quote from R.L. Stein. And I know that like people always point to like Stephen King talking about um, uh, what was the Matthew McConaughey, Idris Elba, uh, the Dark Tower. People always oh. come back to the Dark Tower and they're like, oh, like, uh, look at what Stephen King apparently likes. And uh, so I don't know. Obviously, like the original writers of these properties that are adapted from, you know, novels into films mm -hmm. often go on, you know, press tours and stuff like that as well with the film crew. And they're often talking about like how great everything is because they're going to make money off of it. So full disclosure, you know, they could be absolute shit. And R.L. Stein's just like, yeah, it's great. I'm going to make money. Um, which is most likely 
not the case, I don't think, this time. Just based on what we've seen in the little teaser, it seems like they are really going for that R rating. Um, and they're, they have some scream vibes in there, which we'll talk about why there might be some scream vibes in there. And also they're mixing, it seems like slasher with the paranormal. And that's just, that's just great. And they're releasing, so they're releasing one each week starting on July 2nd. That is my birthday. That is my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Um, I get like a little, little film trilogy. There you go. So the director of Film Street, Leigh Janik, um, has directed some things in the past. So she directed Honeymoon, um, but she also directed a couple episodes of Scream, the TV series, y'all. couple episodes. And by the way, one episode is my favorite Scream TV episode ever, of all time. Love that episode. It's The Orphanage. Um, it's such a beautifully directed episode. Um, she also directed the infamous in the trenches episode where Will gets uh, cut in half by some farm equipment. That oh, was her who directed that, that was one. Sick. Yep. Uh, so she really does know how to build tension. The other one, the orphanage, is the one, Linda. I don't know if you're if you remember this, but it's the one where Zoe dies and oh. is in the coffin with him and like and like that trying one to messed me. I up. know. No I know. one didn't deserve that. And that's what I'm saying. So she those are the her two directed episodes. She gets you in the feels. She dude. does. She does. And she um, knows how to like make a statement. Like yeah. cuz yeah, the that will scene was insane. I was surprised mm-hmm. they even aired that on MTV. I'm amazed too and honestly, so now that is TV PG or TV 14. I should say not TV. PG, I was going to say TV, TV 14. PG? Yeah, not, not PG TV 14. <laughs> um, what can she do with an R rated property? And we're about to find out uh, what she can do. I mean, I haven't seen honeymoon. I don't know anything about honeymoon personally. I don't know if you know anything about that. Ooh, ooh, hang on one second. Let me, let me check on that honeymoon one. Lane has seen Honeymoon, and from what I remember him telling me about it, it was pretty messed up, but, like, enticing. Like, he he enjoyed it, but he was like, that movie was, like, messed up. Really? I'm very interested in her. I... I like her. I like hearing people say something's messed up and a woman directed it. Like I know. Something that like sticks to your head. I like that. She was born in Ohio. Um, well, there's nothing else to do in Ohio, so this is why she's this is why she's doing what she's doing. Oh, yeah, Honeymoon starred Rose Leslie. I didn't even recognize her for a moment, but um Rose Leslie you'll know from Game of Thrones. It's uh Jon Snow's girlfriend. Um from, you know, the first few seasons i guess um they're married in real life by the way kit harrington and rose leslie like uh they're actually together in real life it's kind of cute um (laughs) but yeah she's in that so i i really hope if if fear street's really good just based off of everything that i've heard from her past work and everything that i know from her past work i am rooting for her 110 percent like i i really am like Female directors and horror are oh. such a good combination. They can bring so much to the plate that that oftentimes the male perspective can't even tap into. Um, so I, yeah, I'm I'm excited. That made me even more excited realizing which episodes of Scream that she had directed. Because um, the teaser in the teaser, like it's like Scream all over again. Like uh, you have, you know, the really old '90s telephone and like you know, who's calling on the telephone and like, who could that be? And like, where are they? And, you know, I don't know. I'm super concerned because, okay, you and I both saw Maya Hawk in that trailer, but I'm not seeing her credited in anything. So I don't know if it's like maybe like a quote unquote, like almost like cameo. cameo. Oh, what if she is the cameo of, cause the first one, it's taking place in 1994 and that's the one that she's in. Is she going to have she's like a Drew Barrymore-esque like opening scene? I'd be down with that'd it. That'd be... Oh, Maya Hawk. I, I want more of her, but I'd be down yes. with it. If it's done really well, sure. Uh, like, it's just the we're amount just of nerding stuff. Out. Like, I know, I love it. <laughs> okay, also with like the kids in, in the, like, I get that it's like goosebumps, but it's also kind of reminding me of it as well. Yeah, very much. 
And so I like that too. It's it's remind me of all of like the horror movies that I hold dear to my heart with a bunch of actors that I absolutely love, especially from like they they just plucked random kids from Stranger Things, but I don't really hate it. I love Stranger yeah. Things. Mm-hmm. Well, and so something I just realized too, you know, these are all taking place within Shady Side, which is where Fear Street, you know, books had taken yeah. place as well. It's in Ohio. Lay Janik's from Ohio. So she's going to, I'm sure for people that are really familiar with Ohio, she's going to probably have that like local perspective mm-hmm. that's going to make it even better and even more realistic. Um, yeah, I, everything about this, I'm just getting good vibes from. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that it delivers. Oh my Fingers gosh. Fingers crossed. It, it's just like, it seems like throughout the movies, it's just going to be like one big mystery too. And it just seems very, like, almost interactive a bit. And there's just so many questions that I have. And, you know, when you have all these questions and all these theories in your head, it just, mm, I'm so excited. Yeah. This and we haven't a really even, fun summer for yeah, it. we haven't even talked about, like, you know, part one, 1994, part two is taking place, uh, what, in the 70s? Is it the mm-hmm. 70s? And then um, we're going back way far, way far. Uh, for part three. 66. So you're going to have the, you know, like kind of like the witch with uh, just kind of that set piece with that with 1666. Sounds like 1978 is going to have, you know, like the roar of camp horror movies, like the campy fun ones, like Sleepaway Camp, uh, Friday the 13th, Mm because it is taking place at a camp with counselors. And then 1994, I believe, is where we're going to get them mad stream vibes. Yeah, your home slasher feel. Mm -hmm. Um, Urban Legend, everything. I imagine Urban Legend will play into it as well, just based on the source material of Fear Street. You know, hey, like, look at all this shady stuff that's going on in Shadyside, Ohio. Like. And you can kind of get the vibes from their weapon of choice in the posters, too. Like, the poster has, like, a pitchfork, an axe, and a knife. So, obviously, like, the pitchfork represents 1666, axe, 1978, the knife, 1994. So, that only, like, drives those theories even further for you. Yeah. Yeah, they're making it – I mean, they're, they're they're very obvious in what they're going for. But if they do it really well, like, I think it'll work just fine and people will really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are also excited for this, we are going to do a three-part uh, film review, like uh, actual like film video, um, which we haven't done in quite some time together uh, for this series, you know, each week. So we'll keep you updated on that and the details for that when the time comes. But for now, Linda, let's put this to bed. There's a lot to discuss still. I'm sure we could go on and on and on about, you know, all the references in the teaser and like you know all the different things. it's good news when Jared and I just do this. It yeah. happens with like The Conjuring. It happens with Scream. Yeah. Like the, the bigger, the better. And I cannot, we have been so stagnant and we have just been waiting for an opportunity like this. And thanks to Lee Janning, it just, uh, She's giving us something big for the summer, and I love it, and I can't wait for us to cover it. Yeah, me either. So um, we are going to take one more quick break, and then we're going to be back to do our new installment, uh, Box Office Projection. And then we're also going to give you um, some insight into what is new to streaming. So we'll be right back. I'm sure you know by now, but we have our own YouTube channel. There, we upload video reviews of the latest television shows or movies and stream gaming content weekly. We have a goal to reach 100 subscribers by the end of the year. Right now, we are about 12 subscribers away from reaching that goal. And it would mean everything to the team here to be able to accomplish this goal. Simply search the Burr Reviews in YouTube search bar to find us. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a thumbs up and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications of when we upload or go live. The Burr Reviews, your movie refuge. All right, welcome to Box Office Projection. This week we have A Quiet Place 2 and Cruella, but we're mainly going to cover A Quiet Place 2 because according to all the industry experts, that is going to be the heavy hitter. So let's talk Mm -hmm. about it. Um, Right now, the pre-sales, like the advanced ticket sales, 
um, are impressive. They're higher than they were for the original A Quiet Place. Um, no surprise there. It was a kind of a sleeper hit. Um, and that's to be expected because the property is so well known now and everything. Um, but right now it is tracking um, roughly between like 40 to 50 million, according to industry analysis. So um, when you see the you know, current analysis of what's projected for a quiet place, do you think they're on track or do you think that there could potentially be some hiccups in there where maybe they're kind of overplaying it a little bit? Honestly, I've been hearing a lot of hype about a quiet place part two. Honestly, I think I believe the opening weekend they made about uh, 50 mil. I think they made 50 mil. Yeah. So a quiet place opening weekend, um, 50 million. Yep. I think they'll definitely surpass that with these. Oh, you do? Yeah. For opening weekend? Mm-hmm. Well, mm. Makes you think. <laughs> so Shit. I keep forgetting about the damn pandemic. Not the damn pandemic people- is going to take, take out a lot of it. Um, Let's just say if this was a world without COVID, which unfortunately really isn't quite yet. If this was how it was before that I think they could have easily had made double at least really I think they could have made double well I'm I'm sure they could have so if not this, double at least 75 mil mm, throwing a number out. yeah 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 I could see that like a quarter increase 25 yeah. percent um so for instance let me just get you some metrics here um Cloverfield, who had like a brilliant marketing strategy behind it, grossed forty million its opening weekend. Ten Cloverfield Lane opened to twenty four, so that's a fifty percent drop. But I don't think that this is the same instance here. A lot of people didn't like Cloverfield, and you know it was kind of a found footage film at the same time, and a lot of people didn't like that style and everything. So we can't really use Ten Cloverfield Lane to compare. Um, on that metric as far as, you know, what could have A Quiet Place 2 done without the pandemic. But I think 10 Cloverfield Lane is an interesting case study for projecting what A Quiet Place 2 is going to do. Solely because if you if you consider the 10 Cloverfield Lane trailer, they're very similar in a lot of ways of getting people really hyped for it. Um, an existing property that has a lot of hype behind it. At that point, the 10 Cloverfield Lane came out, you know, it kind of had a cult following. A lot of people like A Quiet Place too, and we have limited capacity. So the analysts are projecting 40 million. Well, theater capacity, I know at, it's different for every movie theater chain, but I know most theaters are either at now 60 or 75% capacity. So they've increased capacity just a tad meaning that there is more room for more tickets to be sold ahead of time. However, um, as far as what I think A Quiet Place 2 is going to do, my projection's coming in at $35 million. It's coming in slightly above Godzilla versus Kong, um, but slightly lower than what they're projecting, just because of the fact that, you know, it's been delayed, delayed, delayed. Um not everywhere is open still. You know, the mass mandates, yes, while they're lifting in some places, there's just a lot going on right now for people to kind of, you know, get back in the swing of things. And I think it's going to be a little bit harder to get people to come back out to the theater. Um, but I that's not to say that they aren't going to come because I still think it's going to do better than Godzilla versus Kong. So right. my projection is 35. Uh, I really, it's hard to calculate Especially since I haven't actually gone to the theater. I'm really not sure, like, what the attendance is like and, like, how much capacity. So it's... Um, yeah, it's tricky. It's it tricky. It is. It's super tricky. So if you do 75%, which is what most theaters are working off of right now. Um, I don't have yeah. the specifics for every every movie theater chain. But 75% is what a lot of people are working off of. So first, A Quiet Place did $50 million. So if we... Just go with the base of expecting it to hit the same metric. You know, hey, mm-hmm. we're projecting fifty million for a quiet place too as well. Well, so let's uh, do the math here. Um, you're expecting fifty million, but only seventy five percent of that fifty million can um, occur because of limited capacity. That puts you thirty seven 
million dollars. Um, so it comes in he right at basically did math, and here I am trying to fucking guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't so, know we could do math. I can't do math. Yeah, I'm expecting we have at least you know at Marcus we have most of our screens playing a quiet place too. So there's potential for most of our screens, most of our auditoriums to be filled completely. Um, not completely, obviously, because there's still a one seat buffer, but um, we are expecting it to be um, a decent weekend. And so I think that, yeah, taking 75% of the 50 million is a good metric. And it comes in, you know, a little over, let's say, like um, a 10 Cloverfield lane because of the hype, but it still has that drop. So that's my final guess. In all fairness, though, with Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane, like Cloverfield, honestly, is like one of those movies that probably shouldn't have been in theaters with a big screen like that with found footage films, especially with how rockety it was. Mm -hmm. It led to a huge problem with migraines, with dizziness, and that definitely kind of put a slump in their in their box office. Uh, Plus, I've noticed that usually when there's like a sequel like an indirect sequel a story that's adjacent to the story of like the previous film as was 10 Cloverfield Lane people tend to be more excited to watch a movie that's actually like a direct story after the first movie rather than just adjacent so I think that those Factors also kind of contributed to the boss box office with Cloverfield as opposed to 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, yeah, I just did 10 Cloverfield Lane because I knew that it was less than, you know, what Cloverfield did. And it kind of right. has that same like thrilling vibe to it, um, at least for the marketing. So that was my metric basing it off of, but it's more popular than its predecessor. So I, you know, then I factored in the 75% capacity and yeah, I ended at 35. Um, just because that's about what I think it'll actually do. Um, I guess and I those are just variables in your little math problem. Y- yes. <laughs> so I'm going to be aware. I'm going to compare. I'm going to try and find films to compare to, um, when we do these things. And then I'm going to do math. I'm going to crunch the numbers. I'm going to find out what's happening where, and we are going to, and we are going to try and make the best guess possible. Um, I'm really good at this. So I played, uh, there's a, an app or um, something that I played. I don't know. For those of you who know who John Campy is, he, he um, I think it's like box office. It's box office something. But anyway, uh, it's like a little game that you play. You compete with people basically to see, you know, um, they're like pools. So you can see like... Uh, how people are doing in terms of like guessing what uh, the new releases are going to come out opening yeah. weekend. And so um, I think when I was playing that consistently, I was consistently in the top like 10 every time. So I'm pretty close. I like numbers. Fair. He works in the movies and he's good at math. I don't have insider trading, so I don't have any additional information other than we're at 75%. That's it. That's all the information that I have. And I told you that. So, you we had should all make a history hiding. plus document like Jared. Does he have insider knowledge in the movie industry? Let's <laughs> find out. You'll be right between like the two alien Illuminati ones. Yes, yes, please, please. <laughs> um, I'm all for that. Okay, so you're probably wondering at this point, what is new to stream this weekend? Well, you have In Treatment Season 4, which is, um, uh, let's see here. So Dr. Brooke Taylor, um, in this revival of the therapy drama In Treatment, which originally aired from 2008 to 2011 with Gabriel Byron in the lead role, um, Brooke conducts therapy sessions from her upscale Los Angeles apartment while dealing with personal problems. Sounds not what I want to watch. But if you want to watch it because it sounds good to you, it's on HBO Max starting on May 23rd. So that um, that was actually yesterday if you're listening to this. Um, today for us, but yesterday for you. Uh, Marvel's Modok, which apparently is getting really good reviews, but series creator Patton Oswalt voices a hapless, big-headed supervillain on a mission to destroy the world but save his crumbling family unit. The series is animated, but decidedly not for kids, according to CNN, which is probably why you'll find it on Hulu instead of Disney+. Plus. Um, so you can go watch that. Patton Oswalt, anything with Patton Oswalt in it, I think 
it's a pretty safe bet. And if you like superhero stuff and and you know quirkiness, um, <laughs> some adult humor thrown in, I would say go check that out. And then you also have Army of the Dead, which was the big release from the weekend on Netflix. Um, it also opened up in theaters last week and it's having a the- limited, I should say, limited theatrical run. Uh, you watched Army of the Dead. Um, yeah. Without giving too much away or giving your thoughts on it for too long, uh, what would you rate Army out of Army of the Dead out of 10? I would say about a 6 out of 10. A six. It was fun. Like, these days it's kind of a relief if I, like, if I'm willing to stay up late to watch a movie and I feel like it was worth my time at the end. Yeah. Like, honestly, with, like, some of the movies that have been coming out that I've been watching, I'm just like, I probably should have just gone to bed. But with this one, I was just like, you know what? Attack I am of the Killer gen- Drummonds. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, no, I just like, this one, I was like, man, I, I'm actually glad I stayed up till almost two o'clock in the morning to watch this. That was not bad. And honestly, the cast was, I like the cast and I like the characters that they played. And the the effects were cool. Um, Like I told you, it was a bit video game-esque, so it wasn't like amazing, mind-blowing special effects. But it was still very entertaining, in my opinion. Hmm. Yeah, that is one that I still want to check out. So I'll probably watch that at some point this week before I go see A Quiet Place 2. Um, that is it for this episode. Uh, a lot of merger news, some Chick-fil-A shenanigans thrown in, um, and then box office projection, which is always fun. See, I feel like that's going to cause arguments between us, which is why I want to do it, because it'll it'll get spicy sometimes, I'm sure. Not real God. arguments, but Jared's fake rhetorical arguments. Into being spicy. Y'all know how he is. Yeah. Now I he's like trying to push his spiciness onto me. Mm-hmm. You're spicy too. You, I can be. You just gotta I get love there it. first. I get super I get super opinionated about stuff, and then the minute Jared's opinionated, I'm like, oh, he's spicy. Oh. I I just I would rather judge him before myself. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, At least I'm honest about it. True. I just want to say there is a support link that is going to be in the show notes today. Um, And it's a GoFundMe for a family uh, in need right now. And I really encourage you to go um, support any amount that you can to that GoFundMe campaign. Uh, It's really important. It's really important to both of us here on on the Into the Borough podcast. So uh, feel free to check out the show notes for that. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you want to see the video version of this podcast, go over to patreon.com slash the Burr Reviews and sign up for our $10, $10 tier, the trick-or-treat tier. Um, or if you just want to kind of chip in a little bit, you can um, really just sign up for any of the other tiers. We have one, a $1 tier, a $2 tier, and a $5 tier in addition to the $10 tier. So it really helps support us directly. Um, for instance, I just got... Uh, my video removed off of Facebook temporarily the last stream that we did because of some music that was playing. And then I disputed it and Facebook released the video after reviewing it. Um, the music was playing for like literally, I think like seven seconds. Um, so it really helps support us directly in an age where DMCA on Twitch, on YouTube is so chaotic and so unpredictable that you never know when something's going to get taken down. So it helps support us directly. And then we give you additional content up there so you can, you know, have access to polls, uh, have access to what we're reviewing, what we're talking about, and also, you know, exclusive videos and podcast discussions as well. So uh, head over to patreon.com slash the reviews to sign up for that. Have a good rest of your day, everyone. See ya.